Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Our reading is taken from the prophet Isaiah, the 49th chapter. The Bible says, listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother has he made mention of my name, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver has he hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then said I, Have I labored in vain? I have spent my strength for naught and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work is with God. Isaiah gives us an experience of a man who knew that he was called from his mother's womb. He was consecrated, he was positioned, he was empowered and even though he was a servant of God and God shines through him in that way, he got to a place and realized that there was a frustration in his labor. He felt like he had labored in vain. He felt like he had spent strength for nothing and all his works were in vain. And yet his judgment is with the Lord. And this experience that I'm talking about, I have seen many a time in the life of believers where you know that you're in the perfect will of God concerning your life. Say you are a minister, you know the Lord appeared to you at a young age or whatever age he did and told you, I have called you, I have anointed you, I have called you to be this. And you're ready, you're doing whatever you can as a minister. And then you get to a place where you're frustrated in your labors. And then you'd see nothing of your labors. You see nothing of your strength. You see nothing of your toil. You see nothing of your sweat and blood and time. I'm talking about that place where you invest yourself. You are invested in the things of God, but you don't see the results of those things. As somebody listening to me, you are in a marriage. God appeared to you. Maybe an angel did. Prophets prophesied on your life and you knew that this was a man or this was a woman. And you are in your marriage right now, but you don't see the fruit of your marriage. You don't see the results that should come with the promises that God gave those who marry. Everything has gone astray and adverse. You're conflicted and confused. Perhaps if it wasn't for your children or for the people that observe you, you would have gone out of that marriage long ago. I can talk about career people. You have a business. You've been running a business for so long and you're not like the other crazy folk. You've been giving your first fruits. You've been giving your tithes. You've done everything you know in the book, but there's just something wrong with this thing. You don't see the labors come through with the fruits of every seed that you have planted. You don't see that your strength has come to something. You don't see the equal measure of results or even more of the results that you expect from the seed that you have sown. You're the person that I came to talk to. I came to talk to somebody who knows that they're in the perfect will of God. They're not even questioning whether it is God in this or not. They're doing everything they know to the book to do. They're crossing every T and dotting every I. They're asking God, what haven't I done next? What am I missing? Of course, I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect all the way. It's a journey. It's progress from one place to another. But you could judge yourself and say, at least I have tried in this area. At least I've given. At least I've prayed. At least I've committed. I have forgiven. I have reconciled things. I've tried to reconstruct. I've realigned. But things are just not working out as for the labors. And especially for those of you who have labored for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in an institution working for 30 years. 
but there's none to show for it. You've been in ministry for 20, 15 years, but you don't see the results of a person who should carry those results for the time that you have spent in the gospel. You're the person that I came to talk to today. Christianity can be a very frustrating story when you know that you know that you know that you were meant for bigger and you don't see it. It can be so frustrating waiting on God year by year, month by month, week by week. Especially when you know you're doing right. Of course, if you're breaking, you know, rules here and there, floating principles, yeah, sometimes it's understandable and explainable. You're probably stubborn in your way or you're simply not yet awakened and serious to what God wants to do in your life. That's another case. But even if you're that person, I also have a message for you today. You see what I'm saying? I have talked to people who have wanted to give up. I know when the devil pushes you at wit's end or circumstances push you to a place and sometimes you say, but why am I even investing my time in this? Where is the end of this? Why can't I see this? And you're even blessed that you can tell the difference because I even know a bunch of people who cannot ask those questions or if they do, they don't stick in until they get the answer. They simply retreat and give up and accept status quo and stay mediocre until the day they live their lives. And some, like I always say, build doctrines to justify their inefficiencies. And they say, ah, I think this is the way of God. I was never meant to be this. I was never meant to be that. And that is not true. God has wanted the best for every child. He loves us the same. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Did he not say? No, no, don't insist you do. He says, he knows. It's beyond what you assume you know. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He says, thoughts of what? Peace and not of what? Evil. Next line. To give you an expected end. God is not intimidated with your expectation. He says, the very place of your expectation, that's where I want to work. Raise it. I don't care how high you take it. All I care for is that you'll expect something. If you have the power, if you dare with your spirit to expect, he says, I think the same things toward you. I will give you expectation. That means you don't take it light. That you have dreams. You have certain expectations and desires. Why you and why not your neighbor? Many of those things that you dream about, God himself planted them as seeds in your heart. It's no coincidence that you feel those things. It's no coincidence that you are uncomfortable when it does not work. Do you know there are people in this world if you looked into their heads and saw what they dream, you would run mad because it is too big for other people to comprehend. And that's okay. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you see, we also have a bunch of people who just accept life and receive it as it gives them and say, ah, oh, you know, this is it. It's okay. Oh, but this should change. No, 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 it's okay. I'm okay. As long as I go to heaven. As long as I eat food and I, I have clothes. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's selfish. Because you are forgetting that God has called you to live beyond yourself. But it's not the first. Isaiah went through that as well. His labor felt like it was in vain. His strength felt like it was for nothing. Yet his judgment was with the Lord. I have been so fascinated by people who don't care to get out of whatever circumstances they're in when they know that they're not comfortable with them or are not acceptable to them. It baffles me. For example, if you are in a poverty situation, you want to come out. You want to fight your way out. But I get baffled at people who are indifferent who don't care to come out. Do you know people who can watch their house burn and they don't care? There are people who can watch their ministry die and they don't care. There are people who can watch their marriages go and they don't care. And not that they are tired of those things. It's just that they just don't care. But also, we are trying to awaken our generation 
to go beyond the place of meditation into the responsibility of contemplation to allow your spirit to think while inquiring with God. Not just to sit passively and accept everything that comes and then you pray about it and wait on God to fix it. Sometimes when things are not going the right way, learn to ask God, learn to contemplate, learn to think through, learn to dig through, learn to consider. When Isaiah is speaking about that generation in chapter 1 verses 3, he says the ox knoweth his own and the ass his master's script, but Israel does not know and my people do not consider. They don't take time to reflect. Why have you failed in marriage? Why aren't people comfortable living around you? Oh, I have a spirit of rejection. Some of us, we learn to give excuse and we shift blame to everybody else and everything else without really taking time to consider. Why are they accusing you always? Why is your marriage failing? Why has your ministry failed to progress? Why do you have every book in the world? You graduated with your degree, your master's degree, your PhD, but nobody will hire you. Why? Why aren't things changing? You have carried an ailment, a disease for 20, 30 years. Why isn't it coming out? Those are things you must learn to ask of God, to inquire, to consider and say, God, why am I missing what I'm missing? Why isn't it working? And sometimes you have to aggressively pursue until you get an answer. Because it's irresponsible to just sit back and accept things as they are. Because we have lost people in that indifference. Some of you have not had your best in life and you're going to leave this world and go without having seen the best in life. Not because God was not willing. But the Bible says when Moses saw the bush burning, the Bible says he turned to see. He considered. When he turned to see, that's when he hears a voice. Because there's something about a man considering to turn aside to see. Imagine he saw the burning bush and said, ah, it's burning. Ah, these bushes also. And then he walked away. That's how many Christians are. They see their house burning and they say, ah, this house, this marriage, this business, this career, this dream, this aspiration, this plan, this project ah, also, this degree also. But the Bible says there is a responsibility in you learning to turn aside, trying to investigate and say, why is this thing doing what it is doing? Why is it burning? Why is my spouse acting this way every week, every year? Consider. Somebody shout hallelujah. Why is it that they are promoting everybody in the organization except me? Why? Why is it that I have all these books on my head but I fail to get a job? Why me? Why me? Ask. Ask. Consider. Consider. And Isaiah says, people who don't actually just don't know how God works. I've been in experiences where, for example, I've ministered to people and sometimes I've had to go back and say, but God, I've prayed for this person for two, three, four, five months. Why is it that I can't heal them? Why? And as you continue inquiring, God gives you the answer. He gives you the answer. And you know what? Somebody could die because I did not take the responsibility to ask, to consider, why have I failed to get this one healed? And some, like there's one person I prayed for for a long time and, until I asked, why can't this person heal? And God told me, with this one, don't waste your time. Why? Because their heart every day has prepared itself to die. There is nothing you can do. They have prepared their hearts to die. You're fighting against their will. Their will is to die. You can't change it. But you see, somebody outward is saying, let's pray. But inward, they have already accepted this. You can't change that. But it took an answer. So I knew. I didn't even waste my time to pray anymore. I just started to pray for a peaceful passing. Because that was their heart's desire. You see what I'm saying? When you learn to inquire of God, you'll be amazed at how much time you will redeem and how many things you will save. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, Isaiah is here telling us things are not working as I expect them. In Deuteronomy 28, the 38th verse, 
He gives us the consequence of people who are out of line with God. And he tells us, you shall carry much seed into the ground and shall gather little for the locusts shall consume it. If you read the Amplified Version. That's an example of somebody who is out of some sort of line with the will and purpose of God. It is not God's will for you to go and carry much seed into the field and gather little. That is a picture of a person who invests so much in their field of craft, but they get little. I know people here who have master's degrees or PhDs, but are earning less than people with certificates. Somebody shout hallelujah. And whether you want it or not, it is time for you to consider that something must be wrong. Because that's not how God has framed your life to be. Somebody shout hallelujah. And he continues to say, You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but shall neither drink of the wine, nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat of them. He's talking about that person who invests so much in something, and at the moment that business thrives, they are fired. And then a random guy comes and sits into that business at the onset of its thrive and then enjoys the fruits of your labor. You dated this guy when he was a drunkard. He was mad crazy. Everything you know about a bad fellow was him. But then you loved the guy and then you started encouraging him. You know, Fanero Thursday. Then he comes sometimes Sometimes he drives you here and goes away. Sometimes he tells you, no, I watched online actually. Your pastor is, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a deal, yeah. I think I like the way the guy talks. I mean, he speaks about those real circumstances, you know what I'm saying, you know. He speaks smart, but he's not in the presence. And then one day, that one someone cuts him and says, you know what, the next thing you see him telling you, let's go for service. <gasps> oh God, salvation. You pack, you sit in the presence. That's the day. Even Sunday, men gather. Marriage conference. What? Now he wants to serve. He's helping in accounts. Like, he's right. And the moment he starts to speak in tongues. Some caffeine comes and... Somebody shout far from me. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> you planted your vineyard and dressed it. But when the wine came... You are preparing for some flower. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says you shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourselves with the oil, for your olive trees shall drop their fruit. You shall beget sons, listen parents, and daughters, but you shall not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. Every parent want you to shout this, Far from me. How can you give birth to your child? And the Bible says you don't enjoy them and they go into captivity. Your boy gets on drugs. Your boy gets on to alcohol. Your girl starts sleeping around and your child becomes a thief on the village. Oh, 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 holy anger. Far from us. Far from us. If you didn't know, now you know. That you need to go back and contemplate. Because it's not the way of God. I've heard people say, oh you know, sometimes children are like that. Not of ours. Uh -uh. Let them give the examples. Those ones, if theirs become crazy, let their children become crazy. But not my child. No, hey! Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Then he says, and all your trees and fruit of your ground shall the locusts eat. That means everything you're doing sort of ends into nothing. Oh, and when I talk about children, sometimes they can be spiritual as well. So the Bible says, all your fruit, do you know there are people? I met a man one day, and he told me, Apostle Grace, I worked for 15 years, and I made all the money that I knew I could make, and I lost it in one month. One month. I know a fellow, he was a banker, and he was one of those very hard workers, diligent fellows, reached at work on time. He was faithful to his job description. Year in, year out, you never caught him in an error. Nothing. And then he worked hard 
for all of his life. And at the end of his retirement, he got a disease. It was an ulcer. And one thing led to another and they started to operate him. Oh, you need money. Go to India. Fly here. Go to this doctor. They started selling all his properties. All his properties. All his properties. All his properties. Until he put his house on sale also. And then he sold that house and went to India for that last operation. He never came back. All of his 25 or so years of active labor, it came to nothing. And he died a poorer man. What was to become of his family and wife? And ladies and gentlemen, these things I'm telling you happen every day. There are people here, if you look at your salary and the job you have versus the things you have, there's a huge conflict. Sometimes you even sit alone and say, but where does my money go? What happens? Every year you have a plan, by the way. Do you know those guys who always have a plan? They always have a plan of what to do. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, next year we'll do this. And then I plan to do this next week. And then the other day I'm going to do this. And the plan is always there. But then they look at you one year, two years. You always have a what? A plan. Five years, you have a plan. Ten years, you have a plan. I came to deliver you today. Oh. <laughs> this time, we have to contemplate. Somebody said hallelujah. And go deep and say, but why is it that we have planned this thing? Your children are growing. You planned since they were two. Now they are adolescents. Their voices are changing. You understand? The girls are growing taller. They are leaving the house and you're still planning. Consider. Now, again in Isaiah, God gives us the answer. But that answer begins with a promise. But I need to help demystify the mystery of that wisdom in the promise for you to understand how it works. Because the Bible is very clear. It's very important to know the ways of God. To understand how he thinks and how he functions. In Isaiah, the 62nd chapter, the 8th verse, if you read the Amplified Version, he says that the Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm. He says, surely I will not again give your grain as food for your enemies. And the invading sons of aliens shall not drink your new wine. The other wine which you made. You remember the wine you made? He says, they shall not drink your new wine. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, but they who have gathered it, you shall eat it and praise the Lord. And they who have brought in the vintage shall drink it at the feast celebrated in the courts of my sanctuary, the temple of my holiness. Give me the message version of that. He says, verses 8, God has taken a solemn oath, an oath he means to keep. Never again will I open your grain-filled bunch to your enemies to loot and eat. Never again will foreigners drink the wine that you worked so hard to produce. No, he says, the farmers who grow the food will eat the food and praise the God for it. And those who make the wine will drink the wine in my holy courtyard. Now, he's giving a promise of a time that will come where that has to end. He has seen a time coming one day. And it's so interesting that this promise is not based on performance. Oh, ho, 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 now I'm taking out wrong teaching. I'm breaking somebody's brain. He's asking, what is he saying? And I'm going to explain it. He said the time comes one day and will come. And some people, when they read this portion of scripture, they mean to say that one day it will end in your life. No, that's not the true teaching. God, through the prophet Isaiah, is telling us about the time when the old shall cease and give place for the new. The time when Christ shall come in the flesh and shed his blood for mankind, that he might give us life, that that old nature will give way for the new creation in God, that new creature, behold whose past is all gone and all things have become new and all things have become of God. He's talking about a time where true redemption will come and restoration and he says that a time will come when, when you plant, you will eat. He says a time will come that no stranger will come in to take your what? Your wine. 
No stranger will come in to take of what you have dug for and produced for. He says a time will come. Now, this is the good news that this is the time. This is the time. This is the time. Because we are living in the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. He dies and is raised from the dead. And then he ascends in glory and leaves the person of the Holy Spirit on the earth to fulfill everything that we have been promised from the beginning of ages. The question is, how come we don't see that practical in the lives of our people? There are two reasons. Number one, many people don't know it, that it's their right not to lose. Some people have conditioned it on their performance, not the right of the finished work. This is deep. Some people don't know that it is their right not to lose. Do you know how many people don't believe that they deserve the best in life because of what they were taught in their foundations? The gospel has no problem. God's goodness has no problem. God is ready to flourish and flood them with mercy and grace. But they were never taught that it is their right to have the best in life. They even conflict with those who are doing well. Everybody doing well must be a cult, must have a snake in his car, must have an egg, he must have seen a sangoma in South Africa. They must have connected to something. Why is it working for him? <laughs> Somebody said hallelujah. For all things in Christ are what? And to the glory of the Father. They're here and amen. Do you know how many people have not yet believed it? And when I'm talking about believing it, I'm talking about aggressively possessing it. But when you see something out of line, you even get angry. And roll. Don't negotiate. Roll. Somebody said hallelujah. Don't talk about it. Just roll. And tell the devil I know who I am and what God has given me. He has said that it will not happen again. He has sworn by his right hand. You remember those days when we were in primary where he said, if I'm lying, eh, cut off my right hand. Now, it looks like that. The Bible says, God has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not give again your grain as food to your enemies. He's trying to say you will not work and somehow your money goes out of your hands because when it goes out of your hands, it goes into another man's hand. Why has it been happening? You don't know it. You don't believe it. It begins with knowing and believing it. You must believe it. And I'll come to that later. Because not many people believe it. The days of loss are over. <laughs> this is the New Testament. So if you're living that life, come to the new. Number two, we don't understand the principle of faith and works. In the New Testament dispensation, faith precedes works. Works do not precede faith. And I'll share that towards the end. I'll go deeply into it towards the end. Many people don't understand that God does not look at, firstly, your works to justify you. He looks at your faith Primarily as you justify, then the works follow your faith. But also, people who usually get the order wrong are people who, like I said in the first place, don't believe what God has done through Christ. This mystery of Christ coming in the flesh is a very powerful thing to fully understand. Because it guides your prayer and the seat of your counsel. You know how to speak to your spirit and you learn how to command the world that is not seen. Because the world that is not seen is aligned to that law, to those principles of the new life. In this instance, circumcision availeth not much. Oh, uncircumcision. But the new creature, he says. Circumcision does not avail much. Oh, uncircumcision. He says, but the new creation. It's very important that you understand that you're a new creation before you even figure out what to do and how to deal with that. Somebody said, hallelujah. He goes on again and repeats it in Isaiah 65 verses 18. Read the Amplified. 
says, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a rejoicing and her people a joy. That's how he has created Jerusalem to look like. To be a rejoicing and her people a joy, not a sorrow and her people a sadness. The next line says, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And the sound of weeping will no more be heard in it, nor the cry of distress. He's saying, he's saying you are not supposed to cry. I know that we've built doctrines of sometimes problems can be there. You know, some people write songs I don't even understand. Sometimes things can frustrate you. I don't sing those songs. I don't believe in them. God has said there will be no more weeping. No cry of distress. So, is it possible to live your life of salvation happy to the end? Yes! Some man said in Luganda, Nakowa, Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Verses 20. There shall no more be in it an infant who lives but a few days. Those things of dying early. Spirit of death. Fire. Listen. He says, or oh, an old man who dies prematurely. That means even if you're old, you don't just die prematurely. Hmm. That means there is a way to die even when you're old. Let me tell you what premature death is when you're old. Can I tell you premature death when you're old? It means to die when you're not ready. It doesn't matter how old. He said, with long life, I will satisfy you. That means you wake up one day and say, now I have. Mm, now I'm full, I can go. If you haven't said it, even if you're a hundred, somebody shout hallelujah. He continues to say, for the child shall die a hundred years. when you die at a hundred we'll be saying hey, she was too young <laughs> I know why some of you are not clapping you're not moving you don't believe it it is too good to be true I know because now I'm unscrewing your brain I'm removing old doctrine some of you, you're quoting Moses. The days of a man shall be 70 by reason of strength more. That was Moses' revelation. Not divine oracle. This is divine oracle. Isaiah is speaking from God. He said, when you die at 100, they'll say, Eee, was young. Tell your neighbor, prepare to live. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. And the sinner who dies only a hundred years old shall be thought only a child cut off because he's a cast. That means even the sinner dying at a hundred. Eh, the gospel is too big. Sometimes I wonder whether I am the mad one or I have a few people who, who see things the way I see. Listen, I don't care what is in your kidneys. I don't care what is in your liver. I don't care what is in your heart. I don't care what is pumping. I don't care the status of your blood. This is the word of God. Adam lived to more than 900 years with the same heart. More than 900 years with the same kidneys. More than 900 years without changing a liver. Hey, hey, hey. Somebody shout hallelujah. The question is, do you believe it? What if you woke up tomorrow and died? The rest of us will still believe. That's what we're saying. One, two, five deaths won't change our faith. Even if a million died, some of us still believe it. That it is true. Let's continue. Verses 21. 
They shall build houses and inhabit in them. <laughs> Who understands what I'm saying? That means whatever your hands are put to do, you'll not only finish it, but God will give you the time to enjoy. Somebody said hallelujah. They shall not plant and another eat the fruit. They shall not plant and another eat the fruit. Pastors. Hey. <laughs> Somebody said hallelujah. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my chosen and elect shall long make use of and enjoy the work of their hands. That means you will enjoy whatever you're doing. That I decree and declare upon your life. That if you are not enjoying what you are doing, this is the day. Heaven is going to record and your star is going to be repositioned and reconditioned to receive the work that you need. God is aligning people right now as I'm speaking. To give you the best job you could ever have in life. I hear somebody one day seated on a table taking tea with his friend and telling them, I have the best job a person could ever do. I run the best business a person could ever run. I have the best marriage any woman could ever have. I have the best children any person would ever raise. Oh, somebody receive it and say it's mine. If you're a pastor, you'll enjoy going to church. Oh, I look forward to Thursdays. I look forward to Sundays. I don't say, oh, Thursday. No, I say, Thursday is here. Praise God. Glory to God. Every time I'm on Saturday night, I am charged. Why? Because I'm going to stand and preach and do what I enjoy best. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm enjoying my life. I'm enjoying my life. I am enjoying my life. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so will you in Jesus name. He continues to say. They shall not labor in vain. You remember what Isaiah said in 49. My labor is in vain. He said, you shall not labor in vain. When you wake up and say, I'm going to work. God is saying there is a grace going to come upon you this evening. That you'll come back home and you will look like you went to work. Now I'm prophesying. I said you're going to come back home and you look like you went to work. The Bible says, it says you shall not bring forth children for sudden terror or calamity. Somebody said hallelujah. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. That means God is now speaking into your children and your children's children how they will look like. That is why I tell people, you're not here just to pray. You're fixing your children. You're fixing your grandchildren right now. Parent, and those of you plan to be parents, speaking to your children and children's destiny right now. Tell them you'll not take drugs. You'll not marry crazy women. You'll not marry strange men. You'll not give in to the deceptions of your time. You shall be for signs. You shall be for wonders. You'll be taught of God. Your peace shall be many. Oh, Rako Badigazo. You'll not die an early death. Terror will be far away from you. Violence will be far away from you. In the mighty name of Jesus. My children in my loins. Listen to me. My grandchildren who are not yet born. Listen to me. You are great. You are wise. You are prosperous. You are success. In the mighty name of Jesus. You are the president. You are the prime ministers. You are the judges. You are the richest people. The world has ever seen. In Jesus name. Uh, 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 uh. and it is done one day people ask you but how did you tame your children you 
tell them prayer. Prayer. So when I'm praying for me, I don't only pray for my biological. I also pray for my spiritual. And I say they won't fail. They won't die. Mm. Wherever they go, they are the promoted ones. They are the favored ones. They are the successful ones. They are the smart ones. They are the overcomers. They are the strong ones. My children can't be weak. None among them is feeble. They will not lack. They will not beg. Somebody shout hallelujah. Read verses 24 for yourself. I want you to read it for yourself. <laughs> you see, let me tell you something. That sentence, that statement, and it shall be before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Let me tell you, there are three realms through which a man of God demonstrates power. I'll leave you with this one time. I never knew it until one day the Lord started to teach me. And then one time something remarkable happened. The Lord Jesus came and said something remarkable to me. He said, from today, your prayers for men shall be shorter. Huh? Your prayers for men shall be shorter. And I'll explain how you get there one day. And then he taught me the power and authority that comes with that realm. That is why some of you, if you have noticed, if you met me, I have very short prayers. Not because I can't pray. But when a man is full and overflowing, they're different from a man trying to fill themselves with something. You understand what I'm saying? That is why those of you who know me, I can say, it is well. Don't worry. They'll give you that job. That's prayer. So some of you think that to know the man of God, he has to get on your bed and say, Shakarara! Bagare Godiga! Bagare! Shagagaga! And then you say, ah, that man is a prayer warrior. Who is a warrior? <laughs> it's not about how you pray. It's about the results of an anointing. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, if you claim that realm when you're not there, it will show. You'll speak and it won't come to pass. You try it. <laughs> hallelujah. But you've seen me declare, be healed. Somebody is going through this. God is healing you now. And the manifestation takes place. That's a place in God. That's where God is inviting all of us. You will get to a point one day where before you ask, God will answer. And when you're in that realm, a problem will come and you'll find yourself saying, thank you, Lord. Who has understood it? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you are fired. Then you'll just say, thank you, Lord. Why? Because you know that you know that God has answered before you asked for the new job. Who has understood it? Yeah. Glory to God. And God says that's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. That is why people come and get healed even before I start teaching. Because that's where I live. And it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. Lastly, in Romans 4.16, now the fundamental, the fundamental condition. I want you to read the New Living Translation. Here is the secret that I was telling you I would finish with at the end. Works versus faith. Let's read. So, the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith, like Abraham's, for Abraham of all who believe.
The promise is received by faith. I want you to speak to heaven, earth, and hell that from today I have received the promise that my labors will never be in vain, that I will never build for another man to live in. Today I have declared that I will never plant for another man to eat. My children shall not be held in captivity. They shall be for signs and wonders. I have received that promise and I am certain that it has been given me in Jesus' name. Whether I live according to the law or not, it is done. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Now, let me answer where the works come. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. The Bible didn't say, works without faith. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. What comes first? Faith. Now, let me give you the place of works. You're not going to walk in wealth because you're a tither. Because I know people who tithe and they are poor. And when people hear this, they say, I'm against tithing, yet I give more than tithe. You're the one with the demon, not me. I'm only saying, it doesn't matter how much you give, but if you don't receive this promise, your works are dead. It will not work. You can be the best parent and still produce a crazy child. Yet you did everything you know in the book. Because it's not just about raising them right. It begins first with having faith for them. And then when you have faith for them, then you proceed with the works. But what comes first? Faith. Now, when I give my tithes, which I do and more, I don't give them to be rich. That's a wrong doctrine. I give them because I believe I am. When I raise my child right, I don't raise my child so that they can become good citizens. I raise my child because they are good. And the Bible says, and Moses' parents, seeing that he was a goodly child, what did they do? They hid him. That's the action. They saw that he was a goodly child. And because the child was goodly, then the Bible says they hid him. The action came after the faith that he was good. Not for him to become good. You get the mystery. So, I don't pray to become a successful minister. I pray because I... Did you get it? I pray because I'm a successful minister. You learn to live from the end of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And then you come with the seeds of your faith from the fruit of the manifestation of that faith. That is how we live right. The promise is sure, he said, to all who believe. It is received by what? By faith. And it is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses or we have faith like Abraham's. I have seen people who do everything right in the book, but they don't have the results because they've actually never received it. They've never taken it in. But also, if you find that you're struggling to tithe, to give, it only means you don't believe. You see again? If you don't have the works that follow your faith, it means you actually don't have that faith. That's the order. Because the faith comes first. And because I believe that I'm a good man, therefore I forgive. I don't forgive to be a good person. Do you know why I give a lot? There was a year, I gave 70% of my income The January of the next year, God gave me all that I made that year in one month. He was trying to tell me, one, you can never outgive me. But some of us, we have fruit and harvest for everything we sow. 
Because our faith precedes the works. I'm not giving to please God. I know he's pleased with me. I'm no longer giving to become rich. That's uh, sports betting. No. I give because I'm rich. I read because I'm the best pastor in the world. Hey, hey, look at him busting. What am I to say? Second? Third best? If you know the best, that's you. Me, I know me. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Praise God. Get the boldness to say I'm the best businesswoman in Uganda. Africa. If they know others, they know them. You, you know yourself. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm the best wife. I'm the best husband. I'm the best son a mother could ever have. The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. And then you begin from the realm of faith to act. Why do I serve God? Because I believe I'm a servant of God. Why do I fast? I don't fast to move God. I fast because I know God has moved for me. If you learn the right order, you will start to see fruit. You will know why some people do everything and they never get it because they do everything except the most important thing, which is to believe. Now that you have received these things, never let anything anybody any circumstance ever sit you down and convince you that you cannot get married get it out never let anybody or anything only circumstance in this world tell you that you cannot be rich never let anybody or anything or any circumstance tell you that this is your end pastors never let anybody or anything Tell you that your ministry has ended there. That it cannot grow. That is impossible. Because you have received it today. Never sit around conversations. Oh, 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 oh. That remind you of where you come from. Effective. In fact, if I was some of you, I would take this so serious that I would go in my diary, whether on your phone, on your calendar, put event and type in Jesus' mighty name from today. I will never see this. That's an act of faith. Somebody, you're going to make a decision never to cry again. When I was writing this sermon, the Lord kept saying, free from strife and struggle. He kept saying it. Free from strife and struggle. You will never struggle again. Unless you don't believe it here. But you will never struggle again. You will never. You will never build something and somebody just takes over. That is why it's so hard for somebody to sit under me and leave this ministry. It's so hard. Impossible. So hard. Because I believe it. But they're leaving. How? Unless they didn't understand me. But if they did, they still come back. Even if it takes them 20 years, they return. Because I know what's upon my life. Hey, hey, hey. Start speaking crazy words right now. None of our children shall be snatched from under us. That's the truth. None shall cast their young one, nor be barren. Forget those days of barrenness. You can never be barren. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, pray. Hallelujah. You have won the victory. Come on, pray. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Raise your hands and thank God. 
Raise your hands and thank God. Raise your hands and thank God. Seated in majesty You are the reason King, yeah Let's sing Hallelujah You have a Come on, pray. Hallelujah. You have one. Come on, thank him. Just thank him. Just take a minute to thank him for what he has done in your life today. Some of you don't even have a clue what God has done. But God has done something so big in your life today. Seated in majesty You are the reason King yeah. oh, oh, oh. Hallelujah You have won the victory Oh Shabalala shall not be in vain it shall not be in vain you will not work for another to take no 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 you will not struggle again no 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 and God is going to restore what you've lost may it come back in super natural speed in the mighty name of Jesus promotions are coming growth is coming your marriage is here your children are here your ministry is here in Jesus mighty name give the Lord a managable praise your health is here you will not struggle to breathe at night
never given your life to Christ repeat these words after me just say the words I'm saying but pray from your heart say father I thank you for the gift of Jesus I believe that he died for my sins and he was raised for my glory tonight I receive you Jesus as my Lord and Savior I'm born again Amen The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International For more information contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.